slippery, can't let her up slide. At a farm, yeah, that shit with the frog eyes. Bad bitch on the net, she be darkin' guys. I'm a dog, that bitch, like some leftovers. And a big boy house, caught a chef over. Bro, whip a Range Rover. Look like a lick, to say the least. 15,000 on the fleece, blowin' red like police. Got a bad bitch with a 10-year-old son, damn. Nigga, half a nigga, age by a PlayStation. Put him to the side, fuck his mama in the back. Bend her over, hold her mouth. Told her, take her like a real bitch. Then she went south, suck your dick like a pro. Roll him up like a taste tester on a GoPro. On a GoPro, bitch. Bought the crib, fuck the bank, cause I don't want them more. No cash. Y'all, still got the money from that one in the Hellcat, Red Key, that's too many horses. Ah. In the club with all Franklin's going Georgia. Dirty walking through the airport, hoping they don't call the dog. Got the bag. I'm just hoping that I thought I'm beefing with your mans Here go 50, take his head off Bank bro, so fucking sloppy I can't spread it off Wait, wait, wait creeping in the car They windows down What's that? That might be bro He supposed to pull up with some loud All right, good They started shooting Tell them kids go in the house They heard that AR Make them niggas turn around Fuck his bitch in a pretty ass nightgown She get drunk off the Tito's Believe that Fuck that bitch from the back Grab her weed tracks Why these bitches won't vote My and beeswax Make your bitch take my kids They're like defects Put a crease in her back Like some work slacks Like the wheel of fortune used to ride around cracking cars with no 18 minutes. She was really scorching some of my best time. I younger told the teeth with the force, and I see better than some old milk. Niggas talk about what they about to do. Where we already in motion. Fuck with us, we crack that melon. We ain't aiming at our dumbest. Try me if you feeling heroic. I'm strapped like a Trojan. You know I ain't sparing shit when I start striking no bowling. He say, Grizzly, young fuck with me. Get out your emotion. Black will tell you, before we really got to this shit, we spoke it. Nigga. Not on prices, is the lowest. But them show prices the highest. Man, my heart probably the darkest. But our eyes probably the brightest. Tell me, Frank, I'll make it bang. down the street. Down the street. Walk it. Roll with me. We only roll big ones around here. Balenciaga's on my feet. I keep the ship on me. Yeah, I'm packing. so fired up because yo because the NBA season is the, is the out of all the seasons you know the NFL is is thrilling but the best soap opera in all of sports year in and year out is the NBA and we got one of the most brilliant minds in the business we got coach Drew from ball court the world of basketball he he has his his, his podcast is one of the most informative basketball podcast because as he says he follows the world of basketball and I love this concept because I know because when I formed Blitz it was about the culture of of football so we have someone here today 
You know what I'm saying? With that, with that, with that same state of mind, Coach Drew, are you with me? I am with you. What's going on, Malik? Man, indeed, thank you for having me here, man. Thank indeed, you, thank you. Indeed, smart people are officially in the building, yo. I'm so fired up to have you on here, to have you on this show, talk about your podcast a bit. But we gotta just jump. We're just going to jump into the teeth of basketball, especially because we're based in Philadelphia. I'm based in Philly here. I gotta get your your basketball opinion. I gotta get from right off the top. I gotta get your basketball opinion of our Philadelphia 76ers. To me, breakdowns Ben Simmons and the chemistry between him and Joel Embiid. Alright, now Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, two polarizing players. One who's very quiet and very controlled on the court. Another one who's very loud and he's very boisterous. He's trying to change that with Joel Embiid, but I think that's taken away from his game. That is his edge. You know, mm. the fact that he's going to he, – he, he's like he's like an East Coast version of Draymond Green. He's going to talk to you, but he's also going to put in that work. Right. If he's not talking, he's not working. Point mm. blank. So now that he's, got, he's trying to be a little bit more quiet and trying to be a little bit more reserved, he's not Tim Duncan. He'll never be Tim Duncan. He needs to change that mindset, get into the game, go right back to what he was doing. But – Right now, I am extremely happy about Ben Simmons. He's utilizing the three-pointer. He's not resting on it and 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 uh, relying on it like a clutch, but he utilizes it like a true weapon, and that I'm happy with. I know Philadelphia's happy. I saw when he hit his first three, the way Philadelphia went crazy. I thought they were going to shut, shut down the city for a day, but it was like he he's now phenomenal. I, I like what he's doing. Now, in the East, he looks good. They're not the best team in the East, and they're not going to be the best team in the East. I don't see them winning the Eastern Conference. But I do see them making the playoffs and making a big push in the playoffs. They have they have what it takes, but they're missing a few pieces. I think they need to make some big moves during the tra- before the trade deadline, and then they could be right in there with contention with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, all right, all right. I, I, I got to stop you, Coach. I, I, I got to stop you for a second, man. We, we got we to gotta talk some basketball real quick. All right, so... What, yep. said, what you said was that Ben Simmons utilizes the three. Ben Simmons has only taken, like, four threes all season. I think he's made two. I mean, like, really, the, yeah. the frustrating part with the Sixers right now is that Simmons, the frustrating thing with Simmons right right now is that he doesn't take enough shots or even look, look at the basket. Now, he had a great game. Like, he's going to have games against Detroit, as he did yesterday, where he had, like, 14 points, mm-hmm. you know, 13 uh, boards, 17 assists. 17 assists is, is remarkable no matter how you grab them. But the point that that frustrates Philadelphia fans in, in, in regarding Simmons is that, one, they never play the two-man game with him, B, because they can't run pick and roll because – Simmons can't really extend the defense because he doesn't shoot. And number two is that Simmons, when he is in the floor of the offense, he doesn't know how how to create shots for himself that are outside of the paint. And 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 what that does is you have a point guard who's six eleven who does not shoot, and with Embiid you have a, a guy who likes to play on the wing at seven two, and it makes it disjointed for guys like Al Harrington and, and Tobias Harris, who actually plays fundamental style basketball. When you have these two different polarizing, as, as you said, players that just plays the game in, in such a different way than their skills, you know, mandate. You dig know what I'm saying? The thing is, is 
he doesn't need to take a whole bunch of threes. He's the type of player that needs to get into the middle, that needs to create that in the middle. He's like, in a way, he's kind of like a backwards LeBron James. When LeBron James first came into the league, he was showing that he could dominate getting into the middle and creating for his players. But everybody thought he couldn't create as much or he was over-creating because he was uh, not taking the clutch shots. That's similar to what's going on with Ben Simmons. They feel that he's over-creating in a way and giving more life to uh, to other people on the court instead of creating it for himself and creating those outside shots for himself. Right. But think about this. He's, he's an Australian player. In Australia, they play the game in, uh, in the correct fashion. They don't rely on the three-point as much as we do in the United States. They take the ball to the hole a lot more, similar to how it was in the 90s. So you take Ben Simmons, give him, you take Ben Simmons and put him in the 90s, he's a threat because he's going to the basket. He's creating more shots. He's not taking a whole bunch of threes. Back then, we didn't take a whole bunch of threes. What, Larry Bird was taking, what, four a game? You know, and he was considered one of the higher, he was like one of the high, uh, more high-end shooters taking that four a game. Now it's different. You got people like James Harden taking 15. Right. You got uh, your Steph Curry's out there taking 15. But with Ben Simmons, what he needs to do or what he's doing is he's actually trying to incorporate that old school of basketball with that new school that uh, Joel Embiid is doing, which I really don't like that with the bigs, all bigs moving out away from the paint. Exactly. I don't like that myself. No, not at I all. See what you, it, it doesn't create that two-man game between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And, and, and that's what the advantages feel. are. With the size, if you can create the two-man... I'm sorry, just to jump in, but if you can create the two-man game with, with the yeah, size, then you're playing to your strengths, mm-hmm. and most teams can't match that. You know what I'm saying? No, they can't. You see what's going on in L.A. with uh, with uh, um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Exactly. It's the same, they pretty much have the same makeup over there. But the problem is... is for right now, Joel Embiid is not. He doesn't roll off. He doesn't roll off of a pick strong. Mm, you know, he, he pick and pop a lot. Right. Think about it. He pick and pop. And with with a Kristaps uh, Porzingis, a Joel Embiid, is, and players like that are, that are that much bigger than their counterpart, pick and popping, they're hurting. They're hurting their team by right. pick and popping. So it's not, it's not so much Ben Simmons why they can't do that. It's the style that Joel Embiid plays with. He's not gonna go down there unless he's talking to you. Mm. If, if he if he has, if he hasn't made if he hasn't made a reservation in your head and where he's actually living there for the game and he's staying there for the game, he doesn't even want to go down into the paint. Think about that. Right. How many how much time he's away from the paint if he's not talking and bullying the person down there? I, I agree. He has to have that mindset that anybody he's gonna bully. He he needs to be more. To be honest with you, he needs to be more like an Elijah Wan. Exactly. Elijah Wan, the reason why Elijah Wan was so scary away from the basket, because they knew what he could do close to the basket. Exactly. That's Because they had to push him away from the basket, because if you had him in the post, it was automatic. You know what I'm saying? So teams pushed exactly. Elijah Wan away from the basket. Exactly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You you are so right about that. No, no, no. You good. Because the thing is, so right. they don't, Joel Embiid, is willingly moving away from the basket. Right. Now, if I'm a coach, I'm a coach in the NBA, and I see this. Oh yeah, I'm gonna let him live. Shoot, shoot that 25 foot. Shoot that 20. Shoot that 18 foot. I'm I'm happy with that. I don't want you down here in the paint. I don't. And 
more teams are uncomfortable with that. That's why they're allowing him to shoot it. Right. That's why they're allowing him to take it. And because of that, that takes away – because you got to think about it. You have your center out 18 feet away from the basket. Even if even if Ben Simmons is creating for himself, is that a smart shot? Is that a smart shot to take okay. that three-pointer with oh. your center 18 feet away? Okay, so you, you, you are tapping into something great right now because that's my point. My point is that the coach seems to think that that's a good shot because they are giving Joel an 18 18- 20 foot jump shot and they and, and because the, uh, the Sixers know that he can make those shots those aren't the more high percentage shots you want him to shoot those you want him to take those shots within the paint those are the those are the higher percentage shot that's why they're giving you the 18 footer because the other shot is exactly. more is more difficult so don't think that's a good shot because they're giving it to you and because you, you think he can make it that's not the best shot on the court no, it's not. And what Ben Simmons is trying to do, and this is why Philadelphia fans absolutely hate him, he keep on going into the paint. He keep on attacking the basket. And they're like, well, we got we got Joel Embiid out there. Why don't you pass it to him? Or why don't you go out there and send Joel Embiid to the basket? Joel Embiid's not going to do that unless he's talking to you. You put him in a man. You put him in a game with Al Horford or something. You know, not Al Horford. I'm sorry. You put him in a game with, uh, what's it called? That boy that he always getting into it with. Uh, 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 uh Drummond. Drum, uh, uh, Drum, Drum, uh, you know, Drummond. Drummond. Yeah. Uh, or Anthony Davis. Game, he, kills Anthony Davis. he kills Anthony Davis. He kills Anthony He kills Anthony Davis. He will fight. Because, because it's a, it's an ego thing. He's going to fight. But if not, he's going to go with what's comfortable to him. Right. He's just like every other basketball player. We're going to, you're going to settle for what's comfortable. If you're not comfortable playing against this person, you're not going to take a risk. But there's those few basketball players in this world, that 1% of basketball players, the Kobe, the Michael Jordan, the, uh, the, uh, what's that boy named? Charlie Murphy. Not Charlie Murphy. I'm sorry. Uh, what's his Charlie Murphy. You know, these players, they don't care about your size. They don't care about the, they don't care about anything. They're going to go in there and score that basket. That's their mindset. Yeah. He was the leader of this. He don't care about nothing else but scoring that basket. When he played at Georgetown, when he played for Bethel, when he played in the NBA, that's the only thing he was concerned with. I'm going to get that basket. I don't care your size. Right. Joel Embiid, big as he is, inside, he's a little man. Think about it. Inside, he's a little guy. That's crazy. Saturn, I, know, I know this is a hot take, but stop and think about this. If he feels he cannot beat you, he will shoot on you just like that little guy at the YMCA. Wow, that's a good that, man, that's real great stuff right there. Because you make a you make a great you make a great point. Right. Say it again? I'm sorry. You know, and I mean I say that point again. Say that point again. Feet. Say that point again. You made a good good point at the end that I, I didn't catch. Yeah. It's he's like what it is is if he's if he knows he's bigger than you, he will get in there and bully you. If he feels he can bully you, but if he feels you have an advantage over him, he's gonna be like that little guy at the YMCA, and he's gonna pull up and shoot over you. Wow, you know? Yeah, that's that's why, some telling stuff right there. Been, I'm, I'm, why, I'm gonna tell you the truth. He is the process. That's why his nickname's the process. He is the process. Once he realizes that he is the biggest man and the strongest man on the court, 
every single night, or once he believes that every single night, guarantee Ben Simmons' three-pointers will go up, their wins will go up in Philadelphia, the court will be spread, and everybody will play honest. Wow. Because the defense don't have to play honest right now. Big men don't have to go into the paint when they play against Philadelphia. It's great. Right. If I was a big man, I would love to play against Philadelphia. I don't have to be in the paint bumping bodies. I get a night off. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and guards, you don't have to worry about unfinished shooting because of this. You get a night off, too. Everybody gets a night off. Right, it's just a bailout. I mean, I, I I tell people all the time, it's like the reason why people are giving up threes to Joel because you're bailing out every time you do that, you bail out the defense. You you totally bail out the defense. Coaches are going to willing to feed. So so let's look look into. So I don't know if you had a chance to assess Brett Brown as a coach, but do you think that Brett Brown is the coach that can push this team to to the next level? Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. I, I don't feel he's. I feel he's too much of a player's coach. He. I. I feel he's more concerned with being liked than being, than than being uh, accomplished. Right. He's not one of those coaches that it's going to be my way. I don't care. It's going to be my way. Right. He's one of those coaches that hey, it's going to be my way if it's okay with y'all. <laughs> right. You know? Right. And he's talking to everybody. Wants to be liked by everybody. Right, exactly. He hasn't laid down yeah. the law at all on that on that, on that team. He's too much like like a dad to these guys. You know what I'm saying? And, and he's not willing to give tough love. And and the thing is, in the NBA, every person is getting paid. You are all getting paid. You are all professional athletes. You are the top five percent athletes in the world. Even number fifteen on the bench. You know. Right. You're all getting paid. What do you do? Use to motivate them. You got to use the love of the game, the passion of the game, the the pride of the game to motivate them. And if you're sitting there playing favorites and and trying to be everybody's friend, I'm gonna tell you, it's, you're gonna have a great locker room. Everybody's gonna smile, but you're not gonna get a lot of wins. Right, you're not going to win the games you need to win, right? Because no one's not going to trust your system. You, you because God's going to be out there trusting in their ability and not the system, and that never works. It never works that way. You can't have, you can't effectively put a system in place and keep on changing it to make sure everybody's comfortable. Stop and think about this. You know, I got kids. If I put if I put rules down in the house of what somebody's supposed to do, it's like eh, I don't feel like washing dishes today. I'm like, okay, well, you don't have to. Then everybody else is going to strike on their rules to this year that they don't have to. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what Brett Brown got going over there. He got a bunch of spoiled kids. But that, yo, you know? So, and, so true. So true. So he, the one or two things are going to have to happen. Either they're going to have to switch to coach or they're going to have to get nanny nine one one in there. <laughs> <laughs> See what they can do. <laughs> Turn things around. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I mean, the, I don't want to trade the players. I think you need need to put a different voice yeah. in the locker room. You don't want to get rid of the talent, but you do want to have a system where you, where you hold guys accountable. They need a they need a coach that say this is going to be my way. Look at Dan Tony. Right, Dan Tony, his style of coaching has been criticized for what the last twenty five thirty years. And he is so adamant that this works. He, 
no matter what team he gets hired on, this is what he implements. Right. That running gun, same thing. And everybody like, well, it doesn't work in the playoffs. Don't work in the playoffs. You better watch. It's just that once everybody buys in, it will work again. And he made a good point. Everybody that bought in originally when they were at, uh, when he was in with Phoenix, Phoenix. with Steve Nash. Phoenix, right. He bought in, it worked. And now you can see it's working now. Yeah. I mean, with Brad Brown, don't have that. I mean, you don't have a system that everybody can buy into. Right, that everybody can buy into. I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. And and to say that the tone, the Dan Tony system doesn't work, I mean, technically the Golden State system is grafted off of that model, and that system won, you know, three rings. You know what I'm saying? So to say that the, uh, to uh, to say that, you know, that that the Dan Tony system system it didn't work. What it did is it expanded. It actually became like he made like the uh, the Rockets and that Sun system made the Golden State system possible. You dig what I'm saying? The Golden State system works because it's Dan Tony's offense, Greg Popovich's defense. Defense, right, right, <laughs> right. So, so true. Dan Good Tony call. Works. But you need Popovich's defense, or you need a solid defense. Right. Now, Greg Popovich's mind on defense was so advanced that right now, think about it. Every Popovich disciple. And, I'm, and, you know, because he has a millions of them out there because on Father's Day, his, I'm, I'm assuming his mailbox should be full on Father's Day because all those little Popovich sons that he has out there, they all run the same defense. And the thing is, his defense is so, so advanced, it still works. Every team runs it. It still works. And you will see, you play, think about it, in the heyday of uh, Popovich, it was you was a struggle to get over a hundred with them. You know what I mean? Right. But they was they could score on you. But now, like and Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr was the right man to put in there because Steve Kerr. Remember, Steve Kerr played under D'Antoni and played under Popovich. Right. He knows the system. So when he put his thing together, he had that throwing a couple of triangle plays. You got a you got a pretty much a system that's. That nobody can beat. You got a top three coaches. He he played for or coach or coach with the top three coaches outside of John Wooden. I, three of the top four coaches he coached with. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. Or, or, or played for. Or played for. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Played play for or coach with three of the top four coaches. There was no and and then his assistant coach. His father was with the number one coach in the world. His father was a disciple of the number one coach, his assistant coach, with Luke Walton. Because, you know, Bill Walton was a, a John Wooden disciple. So you have all of these coaches, these, this, all of this basketball <laughs> knowledge in one coach. He's like the Jedi he of coaching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> he's like one of the, the Jedi <laughs> temple of coaching right there. And then, and then gave it made it made Steph Curry, Luke Skywalker. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. It was, it was like that. It was like that Chinese flick when the Wu Tang Clan hooked up with uh, the Shaolin Sword Style, and they came together. It was like, what? What's going on here? Right, right. Yeah, that's, right. Yeah, that's exactly. What it was. And so, I, 
when I sit there, when I sit back and I look at everything with Brett Brown, you you don't have enough of a system that you're gonna change this around. Right. This is not gonna you. I will even put in, even though David Blatt's working as a uh, an assistant right now with um in New York, he's just an executive over because he can't travel. I'd rather have a David Black style Princeton offense over this Brett Brown offense that he has because his style is not working for the players that he has. Right. So you either have to change the players or change the coach. Right. I I think this, I think the the game on Christmas Day is going to be a, a telling sign for this team uh, against Milwaukee. I mean, break down the Bucks. Like, are, like, are, are they just head head and shoulders over everybody in the East, or? Are, are there any real contenders outside of, you know, Philadelphia? Uh, to be honest with you, the Bucks is a West Coast team that have to happen to have an East Coast address. Okay. They're, they're built like a West Coast team. They, they have length, they have power, they have range. They they have two Anatokumbo brothers who, are, who apparently are trying to one up each other every game. Well, one is, one is the, one is the best player in the league. Yeah, and the <laughs> other one, he's fine. He he up there trying. He 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 making a name for himself. You know, I, 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 like, I agree. But the other dude is like maybe like the best. Like he, he the other dude might be the best player in the league right now. I mean, oh, like G- Giannis he is, is playing at a. He is the most. Uh, go ahead. He's the most. He's the most efficient. He's the most efficient athlete in the league. Mm. He does. He does. That's a really he does so player. much more with so little. Think about this. He could come down court on ten steps. Yeah, he's not. He's, yeah. he, it he might be ten steps or less. Or less. <laughs> if he had a Fitbit on, he would not even get his steps for the whole game. They would be like, hey, bro, you need to you need to go jog after the game because you ain't get all your steps. Because I'm going to tell you, he is the most efficient. He's one of the most efficient players to play. And I'm not talking about just the percentages and just the numbers. I'm talking about in the way he the way he uh, gives off his energy. He can play a whole game easy. I can see him being the next, the next Wilt-level character, the next Wilt-level player, if you will, you know? Because... It doesn't take a lot for him to do a lot. Damn, Think about that's it. a really Houston, good, that's a really good analytical to like, like like break that down a little bit deeper, like if you can. Uh, it, think about this: he, in a quiet game, if he plays a game where he doesn't do a lot, and it's just a eh, he had a quiet game, he drops a twenty-five and ten or a twenty-five and twelve. Right. In a quiet game, so yeah. even if he's not. Get noise if he's not dropping five three pointers in a game, he's still walking away with a twenty five point game and a twelve rebound game, and possibly eight seven eight assists easy without him trained. So if he tries, he guarantees takes over every game. Because you got to think about it. You got to think about it. Every game he plays, and any game he plays, just adding fouls and rebounds. In any quarter, he could go seven points with just being fouled and just him getting put back shots off a rebound. Right. Right. That's not happening in his three. That's not happening when they set up when they set up when they come down. Him alone is an offense. 
He is he is literally what LeBron was to every team that LeBron went to. You notice that every time LeBron went to a team, they added 20 wins automatically. Vegas came out to add, but we added 20 wins to them. This, this team is out with them. He, he is 20 to 25 wins for anywhere. So you have that on there. Then you have the, all the pieces that they have around them, the Lopez brothers, which has been a staple in, as a uh, they've been a staple on every contending team in the West and the East for the last, what, five, six years. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. So, the, the low, you got both Lopez brothers on the team, right? You, this team is you made got, you to got go Matthews, deep. Middleton is nice, you know what I'm saying? Here's yeah. the crazy part about it. Bledsoe's nice. Bledsoe's not injured. Bledsoe's not back from injury yet, though. Right. <laughs> It's, that's what I'm saying. It's I, like this team is a West Coast team that has an East Coast address. There's no team competing with them in the East. Because we all know you go into the East, it's, it's a relaxed game. It's a relaxed game. that's the reason why they're Well, the game yeah. in Philly on, on, the, on Wednesday is not going to be a relaxed game. That's going to be an intense contest between a team who who looks to be the best in the East and a team who is trying to be the best in the East in the Sixers. So, you got to think that... that's when Ego Embiid is going to play hard because of Ego. Right. So, that's the game where Embiid's going to show out. Hopefully. Hopefully. But does that matter against Giannis? Because Giannis is just... So, you made one of the most... Captivating, like he's the most efficient athlete he, you've ever seen. Like that's a really good comment. Yeah. It's a really it's, good comment. Think about it. No matter what happens, he will get just forty-five. He will get forty, no matter what. Hmm. It doesn't matter if Joel Embiid shows out, Giannis gets forty. If he don't, Giannis gets fifty. You know, it, it's, I'm, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna put it like this. George Gervin said this, right? But this is how I feel about Giannis. Giannis don't have to guard nobody. They hire people. They pay people to guard Giannis. You know what I'm saying? They pay Giannis to score. And still, he will guard people as if that is his sole job. Right. You know what I'm saying? He covers so much ground. Exactly. It's crazy. You're talking about a person playing both ends. Joel Embiid is not ready for that. I guarantee Joel Embiid is going to come out Ego blazing in that first quarter, he's gonna take it inside. After he realizes that the defense is real, the offense is real, and this guy is ready to play, I guarantee you he's gonna he's gonna start setting up for his eighteen, his twenty foot shots, and stuff like that. He's gonna back away from the outside. He will get scared this game. This game is gonna make him realize that Either this game is going to make Philadelphia realize either Brett Brown's system is that, not working, or this roster is not ready. Right, right, right. You know? I think this is the defining game for Brett Brown for right now as the coach here and now. Before we get any deeper in 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 in, 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 in trying to figure out what's going down with with Ben and then B, especially in these big time games, we have to realize that you know if if. if is Brett that, that guy? I think there's more pressure on Brett Brown in this game coming up than in, in any game since, like, since a playoff game. Because this game is going to prove and say, hey, like, are, do you have these guys prepared to play against a team like this? Because this is what it's going to be like in the playoffs. 
You know what I'm saying? And and I I I, I just don't know. You know, I, you know, I just don't think so. I'm laughing. I don't trust me. I don't wish nothing ill on any any uh, coach or anything. But I laugh because it sounds to me like Brett Brown might get fired for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> they might wait the day after Christmas to fire him. All right, all right. So let's talk about. Let's... <laughs> We're going. We're going to talk about the West for a second. Cause we want to talk about the West for a second because yeah. the West is hot. It's loaded. Just tell me your two top teams in the West because there are four that really stand out. But narrow it down to two. All right, my two top teams in the West. Right. All right. First, I'm gonna go ahead and speak from a position of bias. I'm a Lakers fan. Okay. So I'm gonna go ahead and put Lakers in one of them. You know. <laughs> But unfortunately, it helps me in my stomach to say the number two because it's the Clippers. I feel like the Clippers is a great put-together team. They're a team designed for the way the NBA is today. Right. I'm talking the whole playoff system, the um, the the way the load management works, everything. The way all the faults of the NBA – the things that we hate about the NBA, the long-range shooting pigs, everybody coming up the court, you know what I'm saying, hitting shots, the stars that move, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. Every complaint that we had about the NBA over the last five, six years, the Clippers has now embraced it and made their team that team. Mm. Think about it. Think about it. Remember a couple of years ago when we were talking about uh, Popovich doing load management? Right. Exactly. Now, when we talk management, we talk about the Clippers. We ain't talking about. Remember, we were talking about uh, big men shooting threes. Now you got uh, you got Harold pulling up from everywhere. Oh, oh Harold! We talking about the Clippers. It's been it's been awesome. It's been amazing, amazing. Yeah, he's been, but he's been amazing since because uh, he's been killing from over the summer. Did you get to see him in um uh uh when him when he went against Lonzo Ball? Oh my God! What was the tournament over the summer? I covered it too, and it's like it escapes me right now. It's like the biggest tournament for the summer, where where oh. the pros go against the amateur. Uh, it's not uh, the Hobby 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 part. Oh, okay. All right. Which which one? Uh, huh? Don't worry about it. No, don't. It'll come. It'll come. It'll come, it'll come, it'll come to you. It'll come to you. <laughs> but my, but he dominated. He was one of the most aggressive players. He he's been doing great things all season. But and then but every complaint we had about the NBA, it seems like the Clippers have embraced. Think about it. Star switching star switching. Remember they talked about LeBron James, they talked about uh K D who does it? Kawhi. To the Clippers. With Paul George. Going to the Clippers. Right. <laughs> you know? True. It's like every wrong about the NBA the Clippers have embraced, but they've done it in a way to make sure that they're ready for the championships. They don't care. They they have been one of those teams to openly say the regular season does not matter to us. Especially if think they about go, it. If, I mean, yes. If the, think about this. If the Lakers and the Clippers, right? Think about like the way the Clippers saying that we got better odds of playing the Lakers in. In the finals, so why would we stress 
getting home court advantage when we're going to have to play the Lakers at home anyway. Like, we don't go nowhere. Like, this thing, I mean, because the Lakers and the Clippers are, are, are good, right? And if you're the Clippers, you're being in a fourth seed. Yeah. doesn't really matter to you because of the fact that if you play the Lakers in the second round, you play at home anyway. There's no home court between the exactly. Lakers. It don't, it's, there is no home court. You think what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and, that's the, and that's the beauty of it. See, the, what the Clippers have done is saying the current way the NBA is structured with their playoff structure, with their roles, with how they play the game, the way it's structured, with even how you, with how they, uh, with how they officiate the game, the way it's structured now is that all they have to do is follow those steps, borderline everything, and we're good. We don't have to fight to be your number one team going in because if we're the number four team, we can make a run at it, and it'll be an easier route to the finals than being the number one team. You understand? Well. Not necessarily because one would play four. So one, if one wins and four beats five, that means one plays four in the second round, or ideally two would play three. So if I'm the, I don't know. You know I mean? If you're supposed to be the number, if you're supposed to be the number one and you play down, that means there's other teams that are weaker that's ahead of, you, as well as there's other teams that are weaker that is behind you. So regardless of how it plays out, if there's an upset early, you you pretty much walk into the finals. Because you're a number – think about it. You're a number one team playing down to a number four. Right. 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 But they have home home court. That, that means those two – so let's say, for example, the Rockets in Denver, right? So you're trying to say that it, – it, it's so is is more beneficial for the uh, the Clippers to be the fourth seed than, than than to be at three or number two. I'm saying I'm saying it's still valuable to be at two or three. No, it's more beneficial to be a five or six seed. Ooh, okay, I hear what you said. To be okay, a six seed. I, I, def, I, I definitely understand the six seed thing. If yeah, only, only if only, only, only if it's gonna, only if you are completely a hundred percent healthy going into the playoffs. I understand the six, six the six seed, I, the six seed idea. But if you if you utilize load management, why shouldn't you be? No, right, true. Think about it. Cole. He's gonna play twenty five games less than everybody else already. And so is Paul George. You know this. You know that their stars are going to be playing less basketball than everybody else. So why not? Why not go in as a six seed and kick your way right into the finals? Hmm. Think, look how difficult the West is. Every top team, every team above you that's just stronger than is going to be beating up on each other. So when it comes to you, you have load management on your side. You have your two top players healthy. You have a cast of supporting supporting cast members that don't care about fouling out or getting thrown out the game. They just want to stop you and stop your best player and irritate your best player. And then you got Sweet Lou Williams. Why not coast in on the sixty? I mean, you know? yeah. I mean, listen. The Clippers are, as you said, they're they're a very well put together squad. 
They have all the components. I just think that the combination of LeBron and and uh, and uh, Anthony Davis is just is better. I think but, I think the Lakers. It, I think they're better than than the Clippers. I just think they are. I think that in a seven game series, which would be the absolute best seven game series of this decade, but I think in a seven game series, the Lakers win four games to three. So do I. And, yeah. Yeah, I think they win four games to three, but I think it's going to be absolutely the best series you will ever see of basketball. Now, here's what has to happen. They have to find something to go ahead and and nullify sweet Lou Williams. And you know what that is? It's sitting in Seattle right now. They can run right over there and pick it up. It's called a Jamal Crawford. <laughs> Everybody wants to pick up Jamal yeah. Crawford, yo. Fans in Philly want Jamal Crawford. Every team, if you're a good team, you want your guy, you want your squad to pick up Jamal Crawford. Clippers fans want Jamal yeah. Crawford. Everybody wants Jamal Crawford on their squad. <laughs> but I'm gonna be honest. Everywhere, think about anywhere he can go. Where will he be valued the most? And that, the reason why he'll be valued at the Lakers the most is because he is the sole person who nullifies Lou Williams. <laughs> Lou Williams is X Factor. Think about this. He is, he is such an X Factor. He's, a, he's a crazy X Factor. Who could shoot? Who could? Who could do all of that? But how like was Lou Crawford going to nullify Williams? How was Crawford going to nullify Lou? <laughs> Cause he, he can't match him with buckets. Oh yes, he can. Remember, Jamal Crawford's last game he played, he dropped fifty-one. <laughs> I, I know, I know, Jamal Crawford can still get buckets, but uh, man, I mean, listen, I, I, I think Crawford on the Lakers makes a ton, ton of sense. But everybody's team, want, every, every, every fan, want Jamal in the league, huh? Say it again. Yeah, and Jamal Crawford, he averaged seven point four points a game last season. Right. He had um, he was and he was coming off the bench for the Suns. But Lou Williams averaged twenty. Lou Williams averaged twenty. I mean, he averaged twenty points a game. But think about this: you match up Lou Williams against Jamal Crawford, that nullifies that twenty. The thing is, nobody in the league nowadays have the moves like Sweet Lou Williams. The only person who has moves that are similar to Sweet Lou Williams, hands down, is Jamal Crawford. So the fact that he can read that, the fact that, and by the way, it was the Drew League. The Drew League. The Drew League, League. right. Yeah. It's your league. Yeah, it's your league. <laughs> yeah. about Jamal Crawford in the Drew League. All right. But the only person who could actually match up move for move with Lou Williams is Jamal Crawford. That is his sole person in life that he can defend move for move. And think about this. Think about this. The only thing that the Lakers is missing right now on the West Coast is somebody who's going to put the opposing team, the opposing guards, in foul trouble. They got their bigs going into foul trouble constantly because you got Anthony Davis, you got uh, Dwight Howard down there. You know what I'm saying? You got these guys beasting, doing some big guy things. You know what I mean? Even 
they down there doing their thing. But you don't have nobody to put um, their guards in foul trouble. So you get a Jamal Crawford, king of the four-point play. Guarantee you, guarantee you, they will have guards scared to play up because they're scared of getting in foul trouble. Then you have big scared to play tight against Anthony Davis. You put in Jamal Crawford, they make an absolute run, and the only team that's going to go with them is going to be the Clippers. And with Jamal Crawford and they're going against the Clippers, I tell you, in a series, Guaranteed, I'm calling Lakers in six. Not even seven. I'm calling them in six. Oh, if they had Crawford, yeah. it's Lakers in six. I got you. Okay. I'm with you. If they have Crawford. I don't know. I might I might six. go Clippers if they had Crawford. I think, I, I mean, I like Crawford. Oh. <laughs> I just think Crawford's old, man. He's 40 years old. I like Crawford. He can still get their buckets, but I, I think that. You know, Lou Williams is still getting six man of the year and winning, you know what I mean, scoring 20 points a game, shooting, he's shooting the ball, you know, 40, 40, 40% from three. You know what I'm saying? I, I know Jamal was nice in his day. Jamal's a great, great player. But Lou Williams going to cook Jamal right right now. If they if, if, if that's what the Lakers are depending on them to, to win the finals, if Jamal Crawford is what the Lakers need to win the finals, they're not going to win the finals. No, I'm going to the finals. Think about this. Three months ago, I had the same conversation about Carmelo Anthony. Now, let me ask you: Would you? Who would you want, Lou Williams or Carmelo Anthony on your team right now, today? I want Lou Williams over Carmelo Anthony. Right now, yeah. And I love Melo. Carmelo. Listen, listen. You don't like Carmelo? I love Carmelo. But if I want somebody right now, because I know for for my team right now, I think Lou Williams is a slightly better player than Carmelo. Carmelo's still very, very, very good. Lou Williams is a six-man of the year, back-to-back. He averages 20. He averages 20-something points a game coming off the bench. I I think you underestimated how good he is. I'm not trying to diss Carmelo. I'm poor Carmelo. Listen, I love Carmelo. I'm not dissing. This is not a diss because I would take Lou Williams over Carmelo. Yeah. It's not a diss to Carmelo. Carmelo, at one point in time, yeah. I would take Carmelo over Lou Williams all day. I would take Carmelo's career over Lou Williams' career. Carmelo's one one of the greatest top fifty players I think of all time. So I love Carmelo. I think he's a great, great player. But right now, today, today, and I even give the Carmelo debt for coming back after being banished for a year for no apparent reason. Other 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 than like the media was just hating on him for no reason. Cause Carmelo, every time I've always seen him, he's always appeared to be a gentleman on and off like going and off off the court. I don't know all this like he's a he's a he got a bad attitude. I never seen that. I always defended Carmelo. But right now, today, uh, I would take Lou Williams. That's a strong take. That's a strong take. Let me ask you, why? Why would you take Lou Williams over Carmelo Anthony or Jamal Crawford right now? Oh, 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 oh well, Lou is just, listen, I think he's a better, listen, depending on what your team needs, but Lou is an efficient scorer. He's a facilitator. He can dominate quarters. Lou, Lou can also uh, he he he's also an assist guy. So what I'm just trying to say, I mean, so I'm just saying that Crawford is cool. I mean, Crawford used to be able to do those the things that Lou Williams are, is doing right now. Crawford was great doing those things like eight, 
seven, six, five, six years ago. Lou Williams is just great at doing it now. Crawford can probably do it in spurts, but Lou Williams can do it for like 30 minutes minutes a night if he had to Crawford can only be effective for like 12 to 15 min- minutes a night so so while like Crawford can go at Lou hard for 15 minutes Lou, feel, Lou still got 15 more in his body to go at Crawford because he is 40 and Lou is only 31 you dig what I'm saying and, and it's not, that's not a knock on Crawford you know what I'm saying? That's not a knock on, on, on Melo because I, I can get 25 good minutes from Carmelo and I know he can still Rebound and shoot and play and play ball, but I'm just trying to say that Lou Williams is the best six man in the league. The best. He's been the best six man in the league for like three straight years, and his role has been defined as being a six man. The same way the microwave, he came off the bench, uh, um, um, for like for like for the Pistons and Rodman before that. It's like I mean, and, and Rodman right after that, they have a defined role as being that guy off the bench to provide whatever that team needs to be successful to maintain intensity, flow, scoring, whatever that team needs. That's why that person is six man in the year. And Lou Williams is the best at it in the NBA. So that's why I can't say that Crawford, if he was put in that role, will have that will have that title. And, and, and Melo, while he's been dynamic and great this year, I don't think that he is the best at anything in, in his in his in his current role. I think he's very, very good, but he's not the best. Well Lou Williams is the best six man in the league. But here's the thing though. You don't need Jamal Crawford to come off as a six-man. You need limited minutes from him. You still have Avery Bradley. You still have a lot of other players that you will put in before him. What you need from Jamal Crawford is that extra boost, that extra limited, the extra boost coming off that. that uh, you, Pretty much what you want from him is similar what they have from him in uh, Phoenix. He was 7.4 points a game. He came off in limited minutes to do big things. That's what you need from him. Limited minutes to do big things. At age of 38, he could still play the game, clearly. And I understand 31, that's a huge difference, because I know when I, was 30, when I was 31 compared to now, it was completely different than what I was playing. So I can clearly understand that. But my thing is with Jamal Crawford what he would bring and that's why I say the only team that I can see him going to is a team like the Lakers is what he would bring is those limited minutes to do big things that's what the Lakers have to give they don't have they don't have you come <laughs> I hear what you're saying that's a good point a right there I, I give you that you know because uh, every other team that he goes to he's going to be asked to contribute a lot more he's going to be like hey you go here you're going to have to to do. Think about it. If you went, to, if you goes to Philly, he's gonna be asked to do things he cannot do. Right. True indeed. True indeed. True, like you know, play, you know, like play the point. They like that's not what he does exactly. He he can't. My thing is the reason you need a Jamal Crawford is those limited minutes that he will be effective. So with Lou Williams, yes, Lou Williams could give you thirty minutes a game if needs be. But all we need is when Lou Williams is on his last seven, eight minutes that he got in his body, I can put a small Crawford in on him. And now we're even again. Because I don't have, think about it, the Lakers don't have nobody coming off the bench that could match up with Lou Williams for seven, eight minutes. I mean, not seven, eight minutes, for 30 minutes. 
or 25. We don't have nobody right now. We don't even have nobody that could go with him as first. Correct? True. True indeed. True. So, so why 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 give up nothing? Why say I right, cool? We'll just you know we're not even going to tape up the hole. We're just going to let let it keep on pouring out. Why do that instead of saying, hey, you know what? We can tape up the hole and hold it for a little while. Maybe I'll hold it forever, but you hold it for a little while. And when you think about everybody else who they have, like Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Dwight Howard, um, uh, Kyle Kuzma, who's Javert. starting to look a little good. He started off on a shaky start, but he's well, he was, in, in, he, he was in, in injured, you know what I'm saying? So, it's, it, you know, yeah. he wasn't, you know, they, and I think they were smart for bringing along, you know, slowly. But, you know, you got, you know, you still got Pope on the team. You know, Rondo, he still doesn't shoot. But you, I like Ron Rondo because he's steady. You know, Ron Rondo's a steady hand. You got Danny Green, a steady guy. But y'all hear what you're saying. Like, you don't got nobody that can come off and cook. Yeah, you don't, you don't got nobody saying, I, 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 I can lock him up. Nobody's going to... You got people who do it all in spurts. Bang, bang, bang. Right. Rondo in spurts. And so all you need is another seven minutes. Another seven minutes with a possible scorer. on Because Rondo, as great as Rondo is, he's not known as a scorer. You know oh, what no, saying? no, no, exactly. And, he's never been. He's never been a scorer. And, right. And it's all highlights. Every time he scores, it's a highlight. Right. Because it's off a of trickery. Right. And it looks great, but at the same point in time, he's not going to be the person that you're going to say, all right, cool, I could get 15 points a game with him. Right. But if he could give you seven, and you could get seven from somewhere else, why not take that? Right. All right, so let's so let's get, <laughs> let's get past the Lakers a bit. I, wanna, I, I do want to talk, talk to you about James Wise, Wiseman, the... Uh, the, uh, the the kid from Memphis who actually played yeah. the first 12 games of the season and then the situation with uh, Penny Hardaway being a former booster and had a had a relationship with his family and you know he, you know uh yeah. you know you know Penny paid for some uh I think some travel expenses to move his mom to a different um city or whatever so basically yeah. Wiseman made the decision to to you know he had a court he had a court um uh he you know, he's fighting the NCAA in court then he dropped he dropped the he uh-huh. dropped the suit after he dropped the suit he said he was gonna come back they they, they say he can come back I think in January but then he just announced the other day that he's not coming back at all he's not coming back 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 to college uh basketball he's just gonna prepare for, for the draft like what's your opinion yeah. on this whole on like wise men, but the larger issue of the NCAA not necessarily being a vessel for the best players in in high high school basketball anymore. Yeah, uh, I think my, here's my position on it. First off, congratulations, congratulations, Wiseman. Good move, good move, one hundred percent good move. You should have did it. As soon as they started talking, he said, ah, cool, I'm going to the NBA. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, the, the NC2A, they're, they're, they're hustling. They, they're literally out here robbing people. They, these kids deserve more, but they get less. Right. They deserve, they deserve something. Now, Anthony Hardaway, from what I understand about the situation at the time, he wasn't coaching with Memphis. No, he wasn't. He was just an alumni. Yeah, right, exactly. and, and 
you had an AAU club, which James Wiseman played for. Now, me, myself, I'm a coach for an AAU team as well. I know that if one of these girls come to me and say that, hey, my mom didn't save any money with me, I need something to eat. I'm going to buy her something to eat. Right. You know? Right. If we're going, uh, if we're going on a tournament and their parents can't pay for them to go, if I have the funds, I'm going to pay for them to go. The, the simple fact of the matter is, as an AAU coach, your responsibility to your, to your players is you're more than just a coach. You're kind of like a, uh, a, mentor. a father figure to some of them. Right, a mentor. Oh, a mentor. Right. So, so it's kind of like when you, when these kids are in need, if you have it, why not be able to help them? But the the NCAA looks at it like, oh well, they're taking they're taking bribes, and it, it makes them it makes them where they're dishonest in a way in the light of the NCAA. But let's look at what the NCAA is doing. They're quick to use your name, they're quick to use your number, to your likeness, so they can gain money and give you nothing. How honest is that? I mean, and if they, what they give you is an addiction. Which, if you have the money, couldn't you pay for it yourself? Right, but think about something, right? Went back. If if mm-hmm. if, if, if if someone gave any kid in school fifty thousand dollars to to build an app, right, mm-hmm. and that app be mm-hmm. made two hundred and fifty million dollars, right, you would just call that a good investment, right? Yeah. All right, so. Let's look at it the same way. If I gave a kid $50,000 because I know he's going to make $250 million down the line, you would call that a good investment, right? Yes. What's the difference? Hold on. But let's put it this way. Mark Zuckerberg invented Facebook during the time that he was attending uh, Harvard. Right. Right? They didn't kick him out of Harvard. Exactly. He made millions over it. They made money over it. They ain't kick him out. They ain't kick him out. Exactly. Now you can't be, you can't be a student here no more. You said, whoa, 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 whoa. You making money now over this? Nah, you can't. You can't go to class no more. You got to pay for class now. Your scholarships are gonna be taken away. It didn't work that way, but it works this way for these athletes. And it's crazy. The reason being, they feel like these athletes are their their property. So until they can until they are willing to maximize as much money as they can off of this property, right? They're an investment tool to them, to the school. It is no different, and I know this is a hot take, but it is no different than when Duke University was utilized buying slaves in order to go ahead and expand the market of their actual school. They're doing the same thing with these athletes. They're buying these athletes to help expand their school and the marketability of their school. Right. And I'm so happy that LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton were so wise to say, you know what? We're not going to put the money further into the NC2A's pockets. We're going to the NBL. NBL is doing amazing. It's on Viceland. Right. It's on, it's showing on ESPN lately. It's been on, you know, it's, they're all over the place. They got their own little, uh, they got their own little segment where, you're watching them on Facebook Watch. It's crazy. They are now their own thing. And they're making money over there. And a lot of these high school kids is watching this. I know. So, I know. And, and, and the funny thing is, 
the NBA and the NC2A are so in cahoots that it's insulting what they've been offering these kids. They're saying, hey, come play in the NC2A where you can't make any money for one year just so we can make money. Right. And or, some kids or, or, are like, oh, come cool, to the G cool. League and make 35000 which makes no sense either. <laughs> like, either come or to... if you want to expect five, you get 150 you get a... You said you said what? You get one of those select contracts. You know the five select contracts that they get. Right. They get five. They get out with those five select contracts. You get one hundred and fifty thousand. You get one of those five select contracts. No, Think sorry. about this. Go ahead. RJ Hampton did more than that his first week down there in the NBL. Really? That is an in, that is an absolute insult. And. Here's the worst part about it. They don't have anybody, they don't have another voice, another polarizing voice in their corner. And they could. No. They could. You no, know, they could have a voice that's needed that's going to keep people at home. Think about this. Well, there's a lead. Go, go ahead, go ahead. You got it. If they invested in the WNBA, really invested in it. I'm talking get the get the wages up. Now they're no longer fighting that front. Now you have an ally in the WNBA. You create a WNBA G League. Now you have an ally. So now the women are coming back from overseas and playing here. Right. So the men are gonna do the start doing the same. The reason that there's a lot of men overseas, they hear about how much money the women make over there. It's different. Women make a lot of money overseas. Men barely make it. They make money here. So they want to get back here, but they need a platform. And you cannot give them a platform by paying them pennies. And if you're paying their female counterparts pennies also, everybody's running overseas. Everybody's like, we can make money overseas if you're going to pay us pennies or nothing here. And so if you're not the type one or two on a roster and coming out of college, you already know I'm going overseas. Right. I'm not going to go into the G League. Right. There's no reason to go into the G League. You know, I could. I have a better chance of making it in the NBA if I go play in Italy. Right. Exactly. Okay. So it's this new league that David West has called the HBL. So, and his league is pretty much a, a counter to the NCAA. They can they can pay players anywhere between fifty thousand and a hundred and fifty thousand a year. It's going to be a team. It's going to have eight 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 teams up and down the East Coast. I think from like Atlanta to Boston. Would you advise if they could get a, like a like a contract with like a Vice or a Hulu or someone? Would you advise a player to play in the league similar? I mean, similar to that. Yeah. I would advise players to play in a lot more grassroots leagues like that because, truthfully, the NC2A is so big now, it's kind of like, what are you really picking from? You're pick, you're, the talent pool that you're picking from is so saturated. Right. You don't have too many players. Every school has at least two or three players that are absolutely amazing. Every school. Right. So you can't just pick from, and you can't pick from colleges alone. So now you're picking from all over the world. So there's always this hidden gem that nobody knows about. 
that that nobody get a chance to see because they're not playing in the NC two A. They're they're like a tenth man on the roster in the G League. Right. Nobody gets to really see them because they don't develop. You know, when right. you stop and think about how many players that nobody knew about that. Because look, think about this: if it wasn't for UCLA, we would have heard of Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was, was his only the Division One uh, 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 scholarship, right? The, the only one he got, right? Every nobody else wanted him in Division One. Right, five nine, five nine, not that athletic, you know, super athletic, but five nine. Come on, five wants that. Right. They saw something different. Right. Think about it, and that's the thing. It, you can't sit here and say that none of these players can ball. The prime of your athletic. Ability and and as a coach now I realize this when you're training players they're not super athletic they're super athletic when they're 18 19 20 but their mind is not there yet right you know so think about this now uh, you 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 play ball still right Rich you say what every now and then oh yeah 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 of you course you play ball yeah now when you go out to play ball. Don't you wish your body could do the things that your mind can see now? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Exactly. And the, and the longer you play in the game, the more your mind develops. All right? So what they need is exposure, in-game exposure. Keep on putting themselves into situations where your mind will develop. So you have that veteran mentality coming out of uh, an HBL or coming out of an MBL. Right. You have more of a veteran mentality. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. Hands down, right now, if you're taking a look at both of, the, both of their professional careers, I'm going to have to say LaMelo Ball is a better professional than Lonzo. He's if you think about it, that's a crazy yo. What a statement right there. That's a really good statement because LaMelo has been a professional since he's been 15 years old. Right? Yeah. And he had a better professional career than Lonzo had. Damn, that's so a hell of a statement. He's had a better professional career than Alonzo Ball. But that's a really but that's a true that's a true statement. And I'm not talking about money wise. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking just talking about production and, and, and impact. And and his development as well. Look at LaMelo Ball coming out of Lithuania. Look at LaMelo Ball now. Look at Lonzo coming out of UCLA. And look at Lonzo now. Mm, that's a really strong statement right there. Yeah, but he has been a better if pro. You, he has been a better pro. If you had two picks, you had one pick to make, and it was Lonzo Ball and LaMelo Ball, think about this. Who would you pick up? I'm taking LaMelo. Hands down. Hands down. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm like, yeah, I want all if I have like a second pick or if I have a third pick, I'll pick up I'll pick up Lonzo. I'm not saying he's a, a bad player. I'm just saying LaMelo is so much has so much more of an upside. But the thing is, is he was able to develop in a pro manner, whereas Lonzo was either injured or benched. Right. Exactly. So he had zero development. Right, because he was in the college side setting first, and he never truly developed in w- with the Lakers. Like yeah. that was just a shit show out there during that time with him and his yeah, father. Yeah, that was and, Lakers. It's just nonsense. He so and, and with the whole thing that was going on with Magic, it, there was a lot going on over there 
where it impeded his development. He didn't start developing until he got over to uh, Alvin Gentry and the New Orleans Pelicans. And even over here, with the injuries, it slowed the development down. Right. The, you know, they say the number one build, uh, ability is availability. Of course, of course. And and that's the thing with Lonzo is that he can't stay on the court. And, you know, he just hasn't been – I mean, even when he's been on the court, he hasn't been as effective as I thought LeVon, as, as, as I thought Alonzo was going to be. Like, I thought Alonzo was going to be a really, if not anything, a decent facilitator, like a 12-assist a guy. But even still, he isn't yeah. even that. He's not even that, you know? And prior to Romello's recent injury, his recent foot injury, he dropped what two triple doubles in a row, and came pretty close on one, and pretty close on the third game for a triple double. Right. You know. Yeah. This, he's he's showing production. He's showing he's developing. He's showing he's he's showing against professional athletes, against grown men, he is the better player. Right, and he's been doing this. Right, he's been that, doing this since he was fifteen mm-hmm. years old. He's, just like you said, he's been in a professional mind state since he's been 15, 16 years old. Now, with that said, because this is a topic that I that I always talk about and I always wonder about. With that said, do we start doing what the European countries do and start professionalizing our kids at 15? Or do we just wait till they're 18 and see how much money we can make off of them? So you want so you want to start like you want to start like like almost like basketball academies. Would yes. you? But but yes, you know. I, but if you I, did I, that, wouldn't that wouldn't that impact the AAU circuit? If you if you start starting these kind of like certain these academies where you know guys would go to class let's say six hours a day and you and you play basketball six like six hours a day, and you know over time yeah. you know. It would. And the good thing is, it would affect the AAU circuit. It would. And this would. But it needs to. Because the AAU circuit is more about flash than anything else. I have one of the few AAU clubs who who only focus on development. Right. It's not about flash. It's about winning. It's about developing. Developing. Getting these kids developed to the next level. And... Most clubs, most AAU clubs don't think about that. Their right. whole mindset is about winning. We need, yeah, we need to win. We need to get sponsorships. So sponsorships comes with winning. Now, once an AAU club is out there looking for sponsorships, I'm telling you, it changes everything. Now, if you have little local sponsorships, that's different. You know, like uh, Mom and Pop's Pizzeria, right. that's different. Right, right, right. But what you're looking at it's just like Adidas and Nike. Your goal now is no longer to provide a level of excellence. It is now, you. Not, uh, I'm sorry, a level of development. Now it is to have a level of excellence. You have to bring, you have to recruit players. You can't develop players anymore. Right. You need the best players around. And the way you get these best players around, because these sneaker companies want the best players wearing their shoe. They don't want that kid that's developing wearing their shoe. They want the best players wearing their shoe. So your mindset changes as an AAU coach. And it killed. It, and to be honest with you, when the sneaker companies came in and started offering, uh, they started offering sponsorships to the AAU coaches. I think hands down that killed the AAU. It took away development. 
So and, and now in high school and middle school is the same. So you will be in agreement with setting up a series of basketball academies throughout the country and you know mm-hmm. you know and funnel a system of just development in terms of skilled players the way they do in, 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 in like a euro standpoint or what what they're doing now in, in Africa where, where they're trying to develop these kind of like these sports academies so they can develop the skills and develop the skills of yeah, the like game like China and uh, in, in actually in Europe on a whole in, in Europe, Europe as a whole in right Asia, and they, on a whole, they they have these academies. That's why these kids are catching up so quickly. Right. They're catching up because they're learning the fundamentals of the game. Think about this. Think about this. How many players come into the league not knowing how to shoot a free throw? A ton. That is the, that is the most fundamental part of basketball. A ton. You're supposed to learn that from of what you play, you have to learn that at the age of seven years old. That is the first shot you learn is a free throw. First is a free throw, and then is a layup. And how many that you see do not know how to properly do a layup or shoot a free throw? But they're in the league because they can jump. Right. Blake Griffin. Think about this. Blake Griffin's brother was a better fundamental player than he was. Blake Griffin made it into the league. His brother didn't even... Nobody even heard of his brother. Everybody well, Blake was an athletic life. freak, though. That's... I mean, Blake was still an athletic exactly. freak. He was, exactly. He was, he was more an of an athlete. And that is the thing. That's what they want. They oh, want oh the yeah, well... Okay, so... Well, well, well you know that when that all stems from... The athlete always wins out in basketball... Yeah. And that's, that's and that has always skill. been kind of like the Achilles heel of the game is that they like the athlete you got to skill up the athlete, whereas you don't focus on the guy who has the most who who automatically has the most skill. And I'm saying so, yeah. athleticism is is reigns supreme in this game, and that's the and that and that's I mean that's been going back since Jordan. I mean Jordan kind of like changed all of that. Like that's the epitome of the of, of the MJ era was trying to find the next great athlete. I gotta find the next, not necessarily the nope. next Jordan, but the, just the next great athlete, and this became an athlete-focused-driven game ever since that time. And you, that's why you get guys like Jonathan Bender, you know what I'm saying? Who you just focus on his athleticism, and you don't really peep all of his skills and things like that. I just threw a name out there, but you know what I'm saying? But that's why you. Uh, I, I, no, I, I agree 100%. It's like. And the thing was, Jordan made so much money for the league, they had to. They had to sit there and say, yeah, we need something athletic like him. But when you took a look at the details of Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan was, a, he was one of the first athletic athletes to focus on every detail of the game. Right, exactly, exactly. Winning, and, right. And it's just like that commercial that Mamie commercial that he had, remember the uh, Jordan 20? Uh, for the Jordan 20? And he came out with the Mamie commercial? Right. Maybe I, maybe I made you a photo with these. Maybe that was the case. Maybe we all got caught up with him jumping and doing all of this. We we didn't see the magic trick that he was putting on, putting on in front of us that you have to be a detailed player 
yep. to make all of this athleticism look good. Yep. You know? I think that's and what Because exactly. of that, because we were blinded by the athleticism, the Harold Miners started sneaking into the league. Hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Excellent you know point. Yep. And, and that's what ended up happening. We, we lost sight of the fact that he combined two errors at once. And an error that we didn't know was coming up. We didn't know that error was coming up. The error of the athletic basketball player. The super athletic basketball player. But he combined the athletes from the ABA and the skill of the the point guards in the NBA. It was like the merger happened all over again in 1984. Indeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was, Truly. There were two mergers. Told, that's a great comment, too. <laughs> two mergers and then the... The, then that, then the merger of the athlete, and that happened in 1984. And once that merger took place, basketball was never the same. Indeed, indeed. Because in every merger, the more dominant, the more dominant company wins, right? Right. But when you had a merger of the detailed athlete and the athletic athlete, that the athletic athlete won, and the detailed athlete started falling off, and they started having all these the athletic athletes. Then you get Blake Griffin's coming in, who could jump out. Who could jump out of the building until they get hurt, and it's like now they have to learn how to play basketball. And I gotta learn how to play basketball. You know, you got you got to build build your skills. Exactly, exactly. Yo, man, this has been great, bro. Yeah. This has been awesome, man. Uh, we can do this. Man, I mean, like, what are we? Like, man, you could pretty much do this probably for another three hours because I gotta like I have at least twenty more questions for you, and we've already been on the mic for like an hour and a half. <laughs> like, we I just been running right through this joint. I get, I love talking basketball. I love talking basketball with somebody else who likes to talk basketball. And it, I, I agree with you, Malik. I could do this for hours and hours and hours. But guess what? This is not going to be my first appearance on your show. No, not, not, at have, not at all. Not at all. I'm sorry. It is my first appearance, not my last. It's not your last. I want you to come on my show. We're going to continue this. I want you to keep throwing me questions. I'm going to throw you questions. We're going to have a great time. Indeed, indeed. Smart people fishing the building. This is my main man, Coach Drew. Hey, yo, hey, yo, Drew, real, real quick. If you let everybody know where can they find the Ball Court Podcast, the world of basketball, where can they find it? Yes, you can find me on cwnsports.com, on IR Radio. Just look up Ball Court. I am right there. You'll see my smiling face. And also, also, I want everybody to tune in. We're going to have a new podcast coming out. We dropped our first episode for the Christmas episode for the Ball Court. It was uh, Let's Kick It. It's going to be a sneaker show. It's going to be so off the hook. I got my man JT, the sneaker guy. He's going to be on there. It's going to be a crazy show. That's also going to be on CWNSports.com. And, hey, if you're listening to Malik, that means you're listening to the fire. Keep on listening, y'all. Keep on listening. Indeed, indeed. Smart people fishing the building. This is my main man, Coach Drew, out in Vegas, killing it right now. West Coast, up early in the morning. That's how we do it. You know what I'm saying? That's how we do it. Indeed. my coffee and everything. Indeed. This is the Bliss Man Podcast, Gakko Radio. You know what I'm saying? Yo, Drew, man, thank you so much. Your words and your wisdom are greatly appreciated, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your for your time, time for, for your time today, bro. Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you. Hey.
Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I was able to come on, man. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate your hospitality. DWA Sports, check out the Blitz. He's a killer. Indeed, hey, indeed. And you indeed. have yourself Merry Christmas. Do your thing. Have a great one, man. Same here, man. Peace and blessings to you, bro. Thank you so much. Hey. Oh, man, shoot. I'm. I hate when I do that. This is Smart People Fishing in the Building. This is Bush Man Podcast. Gakua Radio. We go wait, wait, wait. But I'm with some smart people staying in the building. That was my main guy, Coach Drew. Ball Court Podcast. The world of basketball. Yo, two, we did it again. We did it. This is Bush Man Podcast. Gakua Radio. Special edition segment. Midday edition. That's what we do. We go wait, wait, wait. Brianna, what's the smart people staying in the building? Fly Sports Talk. Not Dry Sports Talk. You heard This is a CWN Sports Network presentation.